Well, g'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen. I invite you all to take a seat. Band will be back up later um, to sing another song with you guys. Uh, but in the meantime, um, I'm actually going to be walking you through part two, um, which is actually the final part of a compact two-part series that we've been doing here at Beyond called Into the Deep End. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Josh. And uh, as we kind of uh, jump into the rest of uh, tonight's uh, message, before we go any further, I just wanted to ask you this question. What does depth look like? Because this whole series has been about how do we step into the deep end when it comes to faith, but it almost assumes a definition of depth. But when it comes to this question of depth, it could mean anything. It's like the question of, um, that you ask your parents when you're children and you're going on this road trip and you ask them, are we there yet? And they give you the response, we'll be there soon. And your, your response to that is, what does soon mean? Does soon mean five minutes? It doesn't mean five seconds. Does it mean 30 minutes? It doesn't mean five days. Like, what does soon mean? And me and my brothers would always kind of have this argument of what soon meant because uh, we uh, quite often, it was three brothers in the back of this small kind of station wagon, and we're all shoulder to shoulder, all kind of um, almost on the verge of six foot, and we all are driving down to South Australia. We do this kind of every two years. And we will constantly ask this question to mum and dad, are we there yet? And they always respond, we will be there soon. And my brother, younger brother Joel would always um, kind of pipe up maybe two minutes later and go, hey mum, are we there yet? And the reason why he's asking that question again is because for him, soon meant two minutes. Soon meant we're just down, going ducking down the road. We're going to be there in just a moment. And for me, I kind of wait 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, because that's a TV show. That's kind of soon. And then I would ask the question, and my parents would just kind of get kind of furious, kind of a little bit angry, because we just keep peppering them with this question over and over and over. And that's because we had this different definition of this word soon. And it's the same when it, thing when it comes to faith, and we ask, hey, what does it mean to step into the deep end? We need to first w understand what deep means. Because when I kind of think about depth and look at that question of what does depth look like, I think of three people, Gandalf, Yoda, and Dumbledore. I think of wrinkly old people, people who say wise things which kind of make sense but kind of don't make sense. You're not too sure what they mean, but because you're not too sure what it means, it kind of makes it deep. Uh, what does depth look like? And if we were to ask kind of this room, what does it deep Christian look like, you would get a heap of different answers. If we were to go to North Lakes and ask a heap of people, what does depth look like? You would get a whole heap of different answers. You would get things like, well, they pray every day. Oh, well, they know their Bible really well. They know kind of Bible verses and they, they, they're a part of a connect group and they serve at a church. They do all these things. Uh, at the end of the day, if we were to kind of compile all our answers, we would probably come up with kind of two major categories. Depth looks like knowing all the answers and doing the right thing. Being able to answer all the questions, being, have, having the right answer to the question when it arises, not having to Google it, but you just know the answer. And you're able to recite the Bible verse and you're able to kind of point it out. And it also entails this whole doing the right thing. They pray, they go to church, they just do the right thing all the time. That's what deep looks like. In fact, uh, a survey done just a few years ago uh, showed that 81% of Christians 
believe the essence of Christianity is doing the right thing. That, that at the bottom line of Christianity, it's all about what we do. It's about doing the right thing. And this isn't just a, a, a modern day assumption. This was an assumption that the first uh, century church made as well. Uh, during the lifetime of Jesus, uh, there was this group in particular called the Pharisees. And they had boiled down kind of being deep with God um, down to knowing all the right answers and doing the right thing. These guys were the religious leaders. These guys were seen as the, as the pinnacle of, um, of their faith at the time. And Jesus would be constantly be challenging their view of death and saying, you've got it all wrong. It's not about what you do, but it's about all that God has done. And it's about embracing all that He's done. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because it's about God's gift to us. That's why we celebrate Easter, because it's all about the gift of eternal life that God has freely given to us. Which is a key distinction to make when you think about Christianity, and maybe um, you're here tonight and you're kind of looking at other religions. The, the major difference between Christianity and what sets it apart from every other religion is because Christianity says that you don't have to earn God's favor. That God loved you first for who you are. He stepped into the mess and died for you to give you the gift of eternal life. A gift that you don't earn through what you do, but something that you simply embrace through placing your faith in Him. Jesus would challenge this whole idea of depth and He would give His own definition. He would say depth is about knowing God and following Him. It's about knowing God, not just knowing about Him, not just having this intellectual kind of understanding of Him, but knowing Him personally. Having um, an understanding not only in your mind about His love and grace, but having your heart captured by His love and grace. And it's not about following a set of rules either, but it was about following Him, about knowing Him and then following Him where He led. And Jesus constantly during his entire lifetime would say, follow me, follow me, follow me, and I'll lead you. I'll lead you to this plan and this future that I have for your life. And this is something that we kind of get in, uh, stuck in a lot of the time. And it's something that you've probably met people who have substituted knowing God for knowing about God. And uh, instead of following God, they've substituted uh, it for following a set of rules. And if you've ever met someone like this, you'll say things like this about them. Well, they just feel fake. Like, you can't really describe it, or the best you can do is they just don't seem real. They just kind of seem a little bit fake. They don't seem like they're being honest with me. And yet, from the surface, they look like they're doing all the right things. They're going to church, they're saying all the right things to you, and yet there's something that just doesn't feel right. They, they give generously, and yes, they do things that we call loving acts, and yet there always feels like there's something in it for them that they're trying to get from you, that there's this ulterior motive behind everything they do. And that's because there often is. See, when you substitute following Jesus for following a set of rules, there will always be an ulterior motive. Because when it's about following a set of rules, it's about earning something from God. It's about, and your self-esteem becomes pinned on how well you do. And not only on how well you do, but it becomes this thing of you comparing how well you do to how well others do. And it causes 
people would become very judgmental because, well, they don't follow the law. They don't follow the rules as well as I do. I must be better than them. And so often people um, who have substituted following Jesus for simply following a set of rules kind of have this whole ego about them, this whole pride about them. These are the people who can't just love and, and help others. They've got to tell everyone about it. They've got to put it up on their Instagram. They've got to let everyone know that they helped someone this today. These are the people that uh, can't just give generously just um, on their own. They've got to tell everyone that this is what I'm doing. I'm telling you that I'm being generous because they need to be seen by others to, that they are being generous. It's all about following a set of rules because, it's, because they're, they're not, their heart hasn't been captured by the love of God. Their heart, is, their mind is simply understands it, but their heart has never been captured by it. And so they need to constantly earn something else. And we're not the first people to kind of encounter this problem. And if you want to experience depth in your relationship with God, you need to pursue this type of depth, not information and not simply following a set of rules. If you're not a Christian and you're here tonight, I maybe this message is for you. And maybe, um, maybe depth for you is just simply taking the next step, simply finding out what this whole Christianity thing is about. But I guarantee you, none of us want to become somebody who simply follows a set of rules. Because someone who does always misses out on joy. Because when it's all about the rules, you've got to constantly be looking at, did I meet the mark? Did I meet the mark? Did I meet the mark? And you're constantly worried that you might miss the mark and that there's a hidden rule that you didn't know about. And so this is what depth truly looks like. But how do we move in that direction? And how do we sh ensure that we don't get caught up in this whole other way of thinking when it comes to depth in a relationship with God? Well, we're not actually the first people to substitute knowing God for knowing about Him, for following God, to, for simply following a set of rules. There was a church in the first century called Galatia, uh, in the province of Galatia. And Paul would write a letter to them. And he would write a letter to them about this whole issue because they had substituted following Jesus for simply following a set of rules. And he would say, don't get caught up in the law. Don't get caught up in following the Lord, following these set of rules, but instead remember that you have been set free by God. In fact, that's what he starts off um, with this whole letter. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Paul says to them, hey, God's done it all for you and he's extended this free gift of eternal life. You don't have to earn it. And and when you try and do that, you get caught up in this thing called the law and slavery to it. And when you do, something happens. And he warns them of it. He says, For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. By pursuing just doing the right thing, rather than pursuing a relationship with God, you miss out on experiencing and knowing the amazing and incredible depth of God's love and His incredible grace 
that he has extended to everyone. This is what following a set of rules leads to, rather than following Jesus. And Paul doesn't just highlight kind of the, uh, uh, the warning around following a set of rules, but he offers a different way about how do we actually follow Jesus in this life? How do we go about moving in that direction? Because back in that time, well, it was kind of obvious how to follow Jesus. He was a physical person. But how do you do that today? I don't see Jesus walking around. How do you follow him today in the 21st century? What does that mean? Is it a metaphor? How do we do that? Well, Paul doesn't just point out the warning, but he gives the um, alternative way of living. He says, don't live by the law. Instead, live by the Spirit. Now, we're going to take a time out there because you might look at this word called Spirit and you might be like, what the hang is that? I have no idea. Um, We had Halloween the other day. We're talking about that type of spirit. We're talking about Casper the Ghost. What is this whole spirit character? And you're not the first people to ask this question. Jesus' first disciples asked this whole question of who's this spirit guy when Jesus first brought it up because Jesus right at the end of his life before he would ascend into heaven would constantly be hinting around hey I'm going to leave but don't worry I'm going to send someone to help you and just wait after I ascend into heaven wait for this thing that I'm going to send called the Holy Spirit and Jesus would give um, after he would send it to heaven he would say that God is going to pour out this Holy Spirit And this Holy Spirit is this thing in which we can invite into our lives. And he is this thing which um, Jesus would um, use these three words to kind of describe who the Holy Spirit is. He would say the Holy Spirit is a comforter, a counselor, and an advocate. That the Holy Spirit is here to guide us, um, to remind us of God's love when we can't see it. To remind us of the hope that we have when we can't see it. To lead us through the struggles when we can't do it on our own, to empower us with these amazing gifts. If you've ever heard of this thing called spiritual gifts, that's where this whole thing comes from. It's a gift given by God through His Spirit, hence why spiritual gifts. It's this thing that leads us and guides us. And Paul kind of says, live in the Spirit rather than uh, living by the law. He doesn't say, Just do whatever you want now that you're free from the law, that God set you free, you can do whatever you want. And the reason why he says that is because God has a hope and a future and a plan for every single person's life. And it's a hope and a plan that far exceeds any plan that we can kind of come up with. That this hope is far better than anything that we could ever hold on to in this world. And he says, if you kind of do whatever you want, you actually may miss out on the hope and the plan that God's has for you because we all know this not everything that you do is of benefit for you this is why that last relationship broke up this is why you have divisions in your family it's because not everything that we do is of benefit to us and of benefit to others this is why parents set rules not because they want to harm you but because they want the best for you. And they know if you go do this, it's going to actually hurt, come to hurt you. And they love you and they care for you. And so Paul says, hey, because God loves you and because he's got this amazing plan for you, if you want to step out in that, don't follow a, uh, a law, don't follow a set of rules, but don't do whatever you want either. Instead, live by the Spirit. And he'll say this, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. 
because the Spirit's going to guide you in the way of God's plan. And then he would kind of explain and, and give a picture of what, uh, what will happen in your life if you allow the Spirit to work in your heart and in your life. And you say this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That if you allow God's Spirit to guide you, this is what's going to show up in your life. You're going to be a more loving person. You're going to be a more joyful person. That doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. There's a distinct difference between joy and happiness. See, joy is um, happiness is situation dependent, but joy is this thing that's dependent on something beyond the situation. That even while you're going through this terrible scenario, you can hold firm to a hope of eternal life. That you'll have this joy, you'll have this peace. That anxiety and depression won't rule in your life, but you'll actually have this peace about your life. That you'll be patient. That you won't be fueled with anger and rage and malice, but you'll be patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle. And you'll be self-controlled. You won't simply be giving in to whatever your feelings are saying you should do, but you'll have this self-control about you to be able to make the wise choice, to make the choice that's ultimately going to benefit your life, to make the choice that, uh, that will lead you in the direction of God's hope, plan, and future for your life. This is the plan, and this is the, the hope that God has for your life. If you just want uh, kind of a general definition, this is what God wants for your life to be loving, joyful, and peaceful, and all the rest. That this is what God wants for you. And if it wasn't kind of clear enough already, Paul would go on to kind of restate his point. And he would say, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. If we want to move in this direction, we've got to follow the Spirit's leading. And a more literal kind of translation of this same kind of sentence, uh, because the original kind of um, Bible was written in Greek, and um, it doesn't always kind of translate perfectly into English. A more literal uh, translation kind of says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, when I went to church, they would kind of stop the message here, and they would let you kind of work out what keep in the Spirit means. And I would always walk away kind of not knowing it kind of sounds like an instruction from a dance teacher, and in some way, it is. Um, if you know anything about partner dances, like the cha-cha or the waltz or, um, or the tango, uh, there are two roles um, to that, um, which are lead, there's a lead and there's a follow. There's these two roles. One person plays the lead and one person plays the follow. And I am the greatest dancer of all time. Um, if anyone's seen me dance, they know. If they've seen me in the car dancing away, they know. Um, and I thought, I see a few skeptical faces out there, so I'm going to give you a little demo. I don't have music, but I don't need music because I'm such a great dancer. This is um, three seconds of the best dancing you will ever see. Woo! Um, so, super, super awesome dancer. And as you can see, I'm super qualified to talk about kind of partner dancing and explaining a lead and a follow. But 
I didn't want to kind of um, just kind of go too heady with all my information about dancing. So I went to the all-reliable source, Google and Wikipedia to kind of come up and explain these two roles to you because it's almost as if God has invited us into a dance and he plays the lead and we play the follow. And that God's spirit plays the lead and we play the follow. And the role of the lead is simply this. The lead is responsible for guiding the couple and initiating transitions to different dance steps and for choosing the dance steps to perform. The lead communicates choices to the follow and directs the follow by the means of subtle physical and visual signs, thereby allowing the couple to be smoothly coordinated. This is the role that the Spirit plays in our lives. It is there to guide us and direct us, to help us move in step with God's plan and hope and uh, future that He has for us. And our role is simply to follow. And the role of the follow is this. The, fo- the role of the follow is to respond and interpret the signals of the lead. It is critical for, the f- for a follow to be a good listener and not to distur- uh, disrupt the plan that the lead is trying to create. For, just like a team project with more than one leader, a partnership with two leads will diverge and fall apart. If you want to keep in step with the Spirit, it's important for you to be a good listener, to actually be paying attention to what God is doing. And not just understand what God is doing, but respond to it. And in order to keep in step with the Spirit, it means that you will have to uh, surrender control to your lead and that you actually um, allow God to lead you because... And where there are two leads, there will be a diverge and things fall apart. Just like in a dance, just like in sports teams, there needs to be one lead. And God has invited you into this amazing dance. He's invited you into this and He knows what's best because He's the one who created the world. He's the one who loves you and knows you and created you. And He has this super sight and He knows the ending. He has this incredible plan for you. And he invites you into this dance to trust him. And by understanding his lead and by listening to him and responding to him and allowing you to lead, uh, allowing him to lead you through life, things like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and all, um, importantly, love will show up in your life. And these are... And it will impact not just your life, but the people around you. And people will look in on your life and they will see this incredible depth to your life. And they won't be able to kind of explain it, but they will know that your life is deeply rooted. And that even when the storms of life hit, that your faith stands firm because you have been rooted and in God and you know Him incredibly well. And so the application really is to keep in step with the Spirit. But what does that even mean? I know like it, it's quite abstract still at this point. And so I wanted to um, kind of uh, point out to you the four steps to this dance that God's invited us into. There's four steps to this dance. And this first step, step one, 
is to invite him into your life. We talked about this last week in part one of this series, that in order for you to embrace a relationship with God, you need to open the door to God in your life. You need to give God access to your life. He's extended this invitation to you, but it's up to you to respond to that invitation. And if you want God to work in your life, you need to allow him access. He's not going to force his way in, for he is a gentleman and he cares for you and he wants you, um, he's given you the choice the, the, and the freedom to choose. And so if you want God to work in your life, you need to first invite him into your life. And this isn't a one-time thing, but this is an ongoing thing. That's why Paul says, live by the Spirit. This whole word, live, kind of carries with it the idea of walking with God every day, inviting God into your life day by day. Here at Beyond, we do this thing called Full Monday uh, because we believe, hey, what's the point in coming to church on Sunday if it doesn't change you or impact you? Full Monday. And if you want to keep in step with the Spirit, I would encourage you this week for this week's Full Monday to invite God into your life every morning. Every morning before you go to work, before you go to school, before you go to uni, just take a moment, just a minute, maybe two, just to pray to God and invite Him into your life and then ask Him to guide you and guard you. Ask Him to direct you and protect you. The next step in this dance is to create space in your life to hear from God. As they kind of said before on the Wikipedia page, like, the follow has to be a good listener. It is important for the follow to be a good listener. For if you don't know where the lead is taking you, you can't follow. And so uh, in the same way, if we need to, if we want to know where God's leading us, we need to create space in our lives to hear from God. And how do we do that? Well, if it's going to look different for each person. My challenge to you this week for this week's Full Monday is simply to create more space. So if that means if you're an unchurched person, this is your first time to church, or maybe your second or third, and this is kind of an infrequent event on your calendar, my challenge to you would simply be to make this a regular commitment, to hey, say that, hey, every Sunday, I'm going to be here at church. For it's through things like this that God speaks to us, that He um, works in our lives. If you're already um, a regular here at church, but you're not in a connect group, my challenge to you would be get in a connect group. Get in a group of um, six or eight people who meet on uh, throughout the week, who are here to guide and um, support you in your journey, for they are like-minded people who want to keep in step with the Spirit. And God uses people like that to guide you and guard you in your life. If you're part of a connect group and you're part of uh, church already, my challenge to you Uh, when it comes to creating more space, would be to carve out 20, 30 minutes, kind of um, every kind of uh, day or couple of days to read uh, read God's Word, the Bible, and to pray to God. Read the Bible because that is the way in which God speaks directly to us. It's this whole story about what God has done for us and about who He is and His plan for our lives. And if you don't know how to read the Bible, don't worry. We actually did a series a couple of months ago unpacking this whole idea of how to read the Bible. Um, And it was in a series we 
called The Bible for Normal People. If you missed that series, I'd encourage you to jump on our podcast and our SoundCloud and listen to that series and begin reading your Bible and praying because prayer is the way in which we communicate with God. This is the way in which we hear from God. So create more space. The next step in this dance is simply to follow God's lead. As you create space to hear from God, there will be points in your life where you notice that where God's leading is not where you're going. And that there, uh, God's way of life is at odds with your current way of life. And that the habits you have aren't necessarily giving uh, and leading you in the right way. And when you identify that gap, that divide, when you come to the fork in the road, you need to follow God's lead. It's not good enough just to know it intellectually or to have it as, as a simply a sentiment in your heart, but you need to work it out in your life. For when you do, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control all show up in your life. And the final step is simply to commit to the process. This doesn't happen overnight. You don't simply become this incredible person of depth overnight. It takes time. Just like an orchard tree takes time to grow, it doesn't just start from a seed and grow into this magnificent tree overnight. It takes time. It takes years of watering, watering it, caring for it, tilling the soil. It needs to be cared for. It needs to constantly be looked after. And by constantly looking after it, this tree slowly begins to grow. And its roots begin to dig deep into the soil. And so that it can draw these nutrients to support its life. And not only to support, uh, to draw nutrients, but to give it strength so that when the storms of life hit, it stays firm. It doesn't just topple over. Not only does its roots grow down, but its trunk grows tall. Providing shade to everyone who walks past from the, from the sun. And it will bear much fruit. Fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you want those things to show up in your life, if you want to become a person of depth, if you want to step into the deep end when it comes to your relationship with God, then I would invite you to accept, accept God's invitation into the dance that he's invited you into. To invite him into your life, to create space in your life to hear from him and to follow God's lead and simply then commit to this process of life change. This is the hope and the plan that God has for your life. I just, yeah, invite you to be a part of it. Um, we'll um, pray and then we'll jump into communion. Uh, so I just invite you to bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this amazing uh, thing that you've invited us into. And we just pray, Lord, that you would give us uh, the wisdom to be able to hear from you, to know where you're leading us, and then have the courage to step out in boldness and follow your lead. God, we just pray that Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control would show up in our lives.
that we would commit to this process of life change and that you would change our lives from the inside out in an incredible way and that it would impact the lives of others that who we come into interaction with. We pray all these things in your name.